When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Powered by Righteous Media. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 13 of the Firefighters Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Serra. I was hoping to come back from the holiday break uh, with some happy news uh, or something good to talk about. But unfortunately, we've had a couple of tragic fires here in the Northeast. And we had a fire that blew across Colorado that destroyed thousands of homes and businesses uh, and displaced a lot of people. But let's start with Philly. Uh, On January 5th, there was a fire that, that unfortunately took the lives of 12 people, including nine children. Reports are saying that the fire was started by a five-year-old boy playing with a lighter near his Christmas tree, and uh, and it basically ignited the whole building. Um, you hate to hear it, but unfortunately, it seems like every year around Christmas time you hear a story like this. You know, whether it's uh, dried-out trees and the lighting, or kids playing with matches, or or something. There always seems to be uh, tragedies around this time. Uh, you know, we really hate to see it. Um, so my thoughts down with, with the uh, firefighters and the families uh, down in Philly, I'm sure that's not what's, what any of them uh, ever want to experience at work. Now, uh, in the Bronx on Sunday, uh, there was a, a wind-driven fire in a fireproof multiple dwelling, which took the lives of 17 people as of now, uh, with several others still listed as critical, uh, and the lives of eight children. You know, it hurts. You know, you hate to see that happen to anyone. Um, All those families affected. You know, we'll get into a little bit uh, what caused the fire in this episode, or what I should say, helped the fire spread. Um, I think they're saying it was caused by an overheated space heater, which was left plugged in for too long, which brings up some other issues, which we'll get into. So, yeah. uh, it sucks. Um, it's been a rough week. Uh, I'm, I'm really feeling for, for the families up there and for everyone who, who responded, including my guest. My first guest this week will be the great photographer Lloyd Mitchell. Uh, he's a photojournalist here in New York City. Um, if you don't follow him on the socials, you should because his pictures are amazing. Um, they tell stories. And so I thought it'd be good to bring Lloyd in uh, to tell his story of what he witnessed on Sunday. It's worth a listen. He's a good dude, and he reminds us, you know, that for every great picture or video from these tragedies that we see, there's someone on the other side of the lens that's equally uh, affected by what they're witnessing. So give Lloyd a listen. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, And then I'm going to follow up Lloyd with a little extra uh, guest this week. I'm going to bring in the NAV. 
Rich Navioski, who you heard in the first episode. And he's going to tell us a little bit about his thoughts uh, on Fatal Fires. You know, we talk a little bit about this one. And he'll give us some updates from out in Colorado about the fire that just blew through there. So that's it. I'm just going to get right into it. It's a long episode, but, uh, you know, I, I think with everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, it's good to hear uh, the perspectives of these two awesome dudes. So uh, coming up first here, Mr. Lloyd Mitchell. We're proud to have a new sponsor for the show, Rocky Boots. Since 1932, Rocky Boots has had a proud legacy building boots for the men and women who serve and protect our country. And in January, Rocky is introducing their fire boots. As with all Rocky boots, these are high quality, comfortable, and built to last. Plus, these boots are NFPA certified. Located in an American small town, Rocky has volunteer firefighters in their company, and their focus is on footwear that's innovative and durable. Rocky is currently looking for firefighters to wear test their boots. If you're interested, reach out through any of Rocky Boots' social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, at Rocky Gear. And be sure to check out the great deals at RockyBoots.com. Rocky Boots, rugged innovation since 1932. Welcome, everybody, uh, to the 13th episode of the Firefighters Podcast. Um, There's big news in New York this week. We had a, a... Horrific, uh, fatal fire. Um, and fortunately we are lucky enough to have join us, uh, a photographer who was there. I'm sure you've seen his work. Uh, his pictures have been all over the place. They're amazing. Um, Lloyd Mitchell, Lloyd, welcome. Thank you for having me, Rob. No, thank you, man. Um, you know, I've been following your work for years on, on the, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, I always think your pictures are great, but, uh, man, you got some really moving ones, uh, from Sunday. Um, and I read your tweet this morning. Um, seems like you're going through some stuff, uh, uh, which, which I can definitely relate to. Um, if you, if you don't follow Lloyd, check him out on Twitter at Lloyd Mitchell. Um, I think on IG, he's at Lloyd Mitchell Mitchell photography. It's Lloyd Mitchell photography and urban firefighting portfolio. Uh, on, Instagram and for Twitter, it's just Lloyd photo. Lloyd photo. Uh, Got it. Yeah. So going back to Sunday, uh, Sundays are generally like days. I just don't work. I don't work uh, Sundays unless something crazy and unusual happens. So I got up at my normal time about eight o'clock and, uh, it was just like a normal day. Like I was chilling out, hanging out with a girlfriend. And uh, she went to the gym. My best friend and I, we do uh, NFL pull, pull picks together. Nice. And she, she called me up uh, and we did our picks, hang up. Uh, we did this thing where like, we do this thing every weekend where we're like, love you and love you back, blah, blah, blah. Hang up the phone, done. And then I'm uh, getting ready to, hopefully spend hours of watching football like on a Sunday. That's right. what I love to do. Like I just like to watch sports and enjoy myself and chill out and kind of relax and forget about work, you know, for eight to 12 hours out of the day. Right. And uh, it's about 10, 50, 11 o'clock. Get a notification for a, uh, a fire up 
up in the Bronx. I'm in Brooklyn. Okay. So it takes me a while to get up there. And uh, sure. I'm like not paying any attention to this fire at all. And then I get another alert about this fire. And they're saying they have seven 1045s, seven victims. And I'm like, okay, still not thinking anything of it because it's a high-rise building. Right. It could be anything at that point. It could, it could be yeah. anything. It could be anything under the sun. And uh, I'm still not thinking anything of it. Then the next alert is they transmitted a second alarm and they had 14 additional victims. Okay, that piques my interest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tiny bit and uh then after that happens there's an urgent uh request for the third alarm uh and they had they said they had people hanging out the hanging out the windows screaming for help and some people wanted to to jump so that really now gets my attention yeah so i throw my shoes on throw my jacket on grab my camera gear uh, order up an Uber. Ubered in from uh, okay. <laughs> uh, from Brooklyn to the Bronx. Got there in about 35 minutes. Wasn't really expecting to see much because I couldn't hear anything. Like I couldn't hear the Bronx dispatchers talking to the firefighters. And uh, I'm going up the backside of the building. Then I see a couple, uh, see a videographer I know, and I see a photographer that I know. They said hello to me. I said hello to them. It was real quick, like two, three seconds between both of them. And I kind of went out about my business. I go up to uh, go walk up the hill. Next thing I know, these guys are just bringing. EMS, uh, chauffeurs, firefighters are just rushing people by me with CPR in progress, you know? Yeah. And you're like, all right, this is as bad, bad as it gets. And so now I've got to figure out how do I get these images out as quickly as possible to my clientele. Right. So I wasn't specifically working for anybody today. To that day so I could send it to anybody I want to and uh, I remember the first four people that they brought by I just made a couple of photographs and then I said okay I'm done done at this specific stage let me walk up some more so I walked by a fire truck walked by another fire truck I see a reporter that I know give her a hug ask her how she's doing said she was doing okay and then I made, there was no, there was no police perimeter set up where you would, there would normally be between the press and where the operation is going up. Okay. So I just walked as far as I possibly could. Well, that's and how you then, know it's bad, right? If they didn't even get yeah. to that yet. Yeah. That and they're busy. Like, yeah. I'm like, it's, th it's 35, 40 minutes in. Right. How will we not have at least a perimeter set up? Right. So that just works out to my advantage. So I just, I kind of anchored myself in there, stayed there. And next thing I know, 
the cop is screaming, press, press, you can't be here, you can't be here. And by then, I'm just having them scream at me and I'm just making pictures and I'm not hearing anything. <laughs> right. You know, I'm hearing absolutely nothing. Like, I don't remember the person to the right of me. I don't remember the person to the left of me. I'm just in, in like tunnel vision. That's you just going to say, and, that's what we call it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. straight up tunnel vision, 100%. Um, trying to figure out like what the hell's going on here, yeah. you know? Um, and I called my editor and he called me. He missed my phone call, called him back. And uh, he says, I can't believe you made those types of photographs getting in from Brooklyn up to the Bronx in 35 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's, that takes, that's shows you the amount of stress and how chaotic that situation was. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a hat tip for everybody that operated there from the fire department to paramedics, to cops, to chiefs, to hell, even the people that, got out of the building on their own power yeah. with minimal assistance, you know? Um, and then huge shout out to my journalist colleagues because that stuff needs to be seen. And it's important for that type of stuff to be seen for society to understand what we're going through. So you, ha you have Philadelphia, they just lost 12 people eight of them kids in a fire. And now we have an unknown amount of number of people at this specific fire, you know? Yeah, I think as of today, there's still people in critical condition, right? So we don't, yeah. we don't know what and the total is going to be, but I believe it was eight kids again. Uh, yeah, it was, it was eight kids again uh, that were fatally wounded unfortunately that's that's the worst part about the whole thing you know anytime a kid is a kid is involved you're like that's not the way you want and nobody ever wants that you yeah. know adult you could live with but never a kid you know uh, yeah i i think uh we've talked about it on the show but but the kids are the ones that stick with you and i i mean i guess we all know why it's the youth the innocence the fact that it's our job to protect them, right? Uh, just mm -hmm. as adults in general. Um, so it's sad. And in buildings like that, as you know, like they're, they're little communities within themselves. Just the building yes. itself is like its own little world. Um, yes. So that's really like shattering for basically everyone in the building to be affected like that. And, and it's, there, there are many thoughts that I have on the whole situation, you know? Yeah. Like I want to know. Why, what, why weren't these people given adequate heat? You know, why'd they have to go two weeks without heat? Yeah. You know, no one should have to live in that condition where you have multiple different types of, you need multiple space heaters in order to live your life. Just if you're paying your rent, give them adequate heat. It's just a human right at the end of the day. Absolutely. You know? Um, and um, the, do the doors functioning properly also, yeah. uh, as you know, most of these buildings, there, there are doors all over the building that, all of that are messed up. Um, the elevator doors, the machinery do room door, they're always broken or, mm -hmm. you know, and if you don't know out there in, in fireproof buildings, the doors are supposed to be self-closing 
um, for this purpose so that they can't be left open, uh, you know, in a fire, especially once the windows give out. Um, it just creates what we saw on Sunday. Um, so, I, did, I, I mean, I'd assume this wasn't your first fatal fire that you've been to, right? No, no. This, this is, I, I've had one in uh, East New York in the summer of 2020, where uh, the members of Ladder 107 rescued a family of four and uh, yep, got a that. photograph of a captain from 120 truck carrying out a lifeless child mm. and i had to jump through uh jump over fire hose to to make this photograph you know at the end of the day i just want to make as impactful images as i possibly can you know and make images that stay with people mm-hmm. and make fo- make photographs that resonate with people and like maybe it, it helps change the culture a little bit yeah. I mean, I think certainly with this fire, the pictures I've seen hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know I've seen comments. I'm sure you've seen some of them. Like you, you really, you captured uh, that one of the, the fireman's face. I don't know if you yeah. found out who it is yet. I mean, that you captured everything in in a picture. You know, they say yeah. it's, it speaks a thousand words, but it, that picture really, I was explaining it to my wife before. She's like, I don't understand. I'm like, just from the look on his face, the soot, the melted helmet, like he looked, de- he looked defeated and triumphant at the same time. Yes. Uh, which is, he, he did everything he possibly could yeah. to give anybody in that hallway a chance at living for an hour or two more or a day or two more. Like that's literally like the epitome of going above and beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, and that's the only frame I have of him walking out of the building. Right. I literally remember saying to myself, that's the picture. I could stop like it, photographing right now. It, you know? It, yeah. Well, I hope um, you don't stop, but, but yes, I, no, <laughs> I agree no, with no. you. <laughs> like that specific yeah, photograph. No, I know what you're saying. You know, for the day was the picture. Yeah. You know? But, um, but also like those photographs and, and, you know, not just yours, but, but all you guys who do, you know, Dennis, and I know a few of the other guys who, who are on Nicholas, um, those pictures, A, they do a lot for history. I mean, mm-hmm. you look back to 9-11. I mean, if we didn't have those images, we really wouldn't know the true no. history, right? Yep. Um, yep. So thank God, like, you know, the, the fireman raising the flag. I, I'm so thankful that somebody was there uh, to capture those moments. But but we use those too, like in the fire department. Those pictures are, are a great tool for us, you know, of uh, fire scenes, you know. You might just look, flip through the paper and see some ladders up to a window. But yeah. when you're sitting in a classroom analyzing the picture, it really is helpful to see how they attacked, you know, how the people got out, how the firefighters got out. If somebody messed up, you know, yeah. Th- yeah. those things are important, too. So, that, you know, that, that work goes beyond just the public. You know, it's, it really yeah. is impactful for firefighters. Uh, and and it's, it's funny. I always have to I always try and be very careful of the content that I put out. Yeah, because because there's if I take a hundred photographs at a fire, I got to be very meticulous of like what message do I want to have come across with these specific set of images, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And that's a tough job. Like selecting your best 10 to 20 photographs to file off to a paper or an international agency sure. in a, a matter of minutes to convey a story and a story of that level. It's incredible, you know? Sure. You're, you're setting the narrative, really. You're, yeah. You're, you're painting, the, you know. The, like... you're, you're painting the broad picture for everybody to see what's going on in this specific moment in time of how the city is yeah. or how people are living. You know, that's the whole goal is, is to show people around the world how people live. You know, I just want to show people helping people. And I think one thing that brings me peace about, peace of mind about Sunday is all I saw, wherever I looked, it was just people helping people. Yeah. And that's what, I can live with that all day long, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's what you captured uh, because <laughs> the state of that building, it kind of reflects the state of all of us right now, right? Yes. Um, we all kind of feel like we're living in a building with no heat and uh, poor living conditions, you know, metaphorically. Um, yep. We feel like the house is on fire, kind of, right? But yeah. uh, but you're right. It is it is comforting to know that there are still people out there. And not just, like you said, not just the cops and firefighters who were there doing their job. But from what I've heard, everyone was pitching in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I heard a couple of stories uh, of light duty guys driving the rack unit, you know, in there doing CPR, which is unheard of, as you know, they, yeah. they, they're nowhere near the fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you captured it. Um, from, from what I've, the stories that I've gotten from firemen behind the scenes, it sounds like mm-hmm. you, you painted the picture exactly how they saw it also. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so bravo to that, you, man. That, thank you. That's all I can ask for. You know, like yeah. when I, when I, roll out the door for any story. It doesn't matter if it's a political story, a shooting, a fire. I just want to set the tone visually for other people to pick up on and understand, okay, this is what people were going through at okay. this specific moment in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it also, you know, I, I read your tweet earlier. I think it's important to be aware of what you're going through personally mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i don't know if there's anything set up for you guys like i know we talk about it on the show pretty much every guest we talk about the counseling unit and how it helps yeah. us because we're all messed up right we've just yeah. seen it all uh is there anything set up for you guys how do you deal with it so ironically enough there is a we handle it amongst ourselves like we'll yeah. talk about it um amongst ourselves uh i had friends of firefighters reach oh, out to okay. me um a couple of days ago uh, I had firefighters that I know from across the country call me and text me and they're like, Lloyd, we didn't know how you did it this time, you know? Yeah. But you, you kind of just, you just do it. You know, you got to do it. You, yeah. you, uh, live with it for a little bit, 24, 48 hours, write it down. And then I might not talk about it for a while. I might talk about it right away. Like yeah. this is therapeutic for me, you know, writing it down was like, therapy for me you know yeah um it allowed me to like retrace my steps and understand what i was going through and how i was how i was doing with it you know i feel okay um i can't believe what i I witnessed straight up heroism that's a lot of people to bring out of a building you know 
Yeah. You, know, you said you got there 35 minutes later. Uh, that's 35 minutes after the second alarm, right? Yeah, or, so that, I mean, usually, I mean, not to brag, but our fires usually go out in like five to 10 minutes, right? So yeah, generally. So for a, for a fire to be burning that long, uh, something's gone wrong. Um, yeah. Or not, I wouldn't even say something that had went wrong. I just think there was so many people. It was... It wasn't even like an overwhelming experience. It was just, they were behind the eight ball before they started. Right. By, by, by gone wrong, I don't mean like somebody messed up. I just yeah. mean, you know, it, things didn't go as they usually do. Yes. Um, you know, which happens from time to time, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it, it was totally an atypical fire. Like it was the perfect storm for a right. you know? And, and if you're not in the Northeast, it was, it was freezing on Sunday, which tends to add a lot of complications. I don't know if they had hydrant issues. Um, I had Jeff cool on last episode and he talked about the freezing hydrants. I don't know if that played a role here, but uh, it generally in winter fires, it does. Um, yeah. As Jeff cool spoke about last week. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, sorry. So you were talking about how you, you have peer support and that kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, there, there are other, like, I, I have to say, like, I've done a lot of interviews regarding nine 11, obviously, uh, especially when we're working for the bill and almost every interview, a cameraman or, you know, somebody who worked on the staff would come up to me afterwards and tell me, I think I'm sick or, you know, uh, I have I was at ground zero. I had all these problems, you know, I, and actually I've helped, you know, cameramen and stuff like that get enrolled in the program. Yeah. I think people don't realize is that when there are emergencies, um, you know, the press, uh, you know, I mean, you'll see Jim Cantori standing in his waiters, but I'm talking about like, when it comes to like these types of emergencies, the press are affected also, right? You yeah. guys are, you guys are in, in danger, not just from, you know, the immediate effects, but there are long lasting effects to, to some emergencies like nine 11 or, or the emotional effects like fires like this. Right. So. Yeah. You, you gotta know how I, I always tell people, and it's funny, I'm 32 now and I'm one of the older reporters that we have on the street now. And um, I always tell anyone willing to listen, like, Talk to me, talk to someone you trust, talk to someone that was there that can like empathize with you and understand what went down there. You know, um, you shouldn't have to bottle all that stuff up alone. You know, just work it out however you work it out. You know, um, talk to me, talk to someone you trust, talk to whoever's going to help you through it, you know, because in our line of work, it's just, okay, go to the next, go to the next. Right. And you might have a, a doozy every day where you go to three stories in a day, you know, and you don't have time to like decompress and, and understand what you just witnessed. You know, that was it, a big magnitude situation. You, know, you, you, uh, you want to make yourself as available as possible. So you're ready for the next door. You know, you don't want to dwell on the last door. Right. But also you got to, you know, there are definitely parallels between what you're saying and to first responders themselves, mm -hmm. but, but you got to be ready for the next one, right? You yeah. got, your head's yeah. got to be in the game. And like yeah. you said, you were, you have 
you know, a couple of minutes to create the narrative through your pictures of what is actually happening. So yeah. if you're, if your head's not in the game, yeah. you know, you might miss something or yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, honest to God, I thought I was going to get up there and see absolutely nothing. Yeah. That's what I literally thought, you know, and then I turned the corner and it was the bottom of the ninth the entire way through. Yeah. You know, it was game was on, you know, games on the line. Now, how much, how much fire was really, was there, was there a lot of fire showing or was it all just, just the smoke condition inside? It was just smoke, smoke condition inside. Yeah. Really, yeah. The truth, um, at least from what I saw. You know, right. Um, other photographers that you talk to, we all got there at different time periods. Right. So you just kind of, you make the best of what you can out of the situation. You right. know, I mean, like you're either going to be in the neighborhood or you're going to be in the borough or you're not. There's no in between. So and I started asking you this before we got on the air and I'm always curious, like, I know you said this was your day off, but like, how do you normally do it? Like, are you out there like, uh, like Peter Parker listening to the scanner or, or yeah, I'm, like- I'm either listening to the radio or, uh, I'll get assigned stuff. So yeah. any of my outlets that I work for, they'll generally assign me. And if I'm like, I've, I've gone to, I was supposed to be going to other stories right. and I've just stumbled upon like squad one flying by me and they going into an all hands, you know? Um, sometimes you just get lucky. Like I've caught a lot of on days where I'm not supposed to actually work. You know, it, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it at all. Well, that's, that's what makes it an emergency, right? You can't, mm-hmm. you, yeah. it doesn't care about your schedule. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible how that whole scenario works out where it's just like, it doesn't care about you. Right. You have to care about it. You know? right. And then when it comes to listening to the radio, it's an art form, you know, it's a total art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not one of those things that you can just wake up one morning and you're like, oh, I'm going to go listen to police and fire radio and see what I can catch. You have to know what you're listening for. And you have to know who you're listening to, right? Yes, I mean, a, a good dispatcher. Just, the whole thing. That's the whole thing. And you could tell just by the tone of their voice, if you're going to something legit yeah. or, you know, that the importance of a good dispatcher, like, you know, people don't realize it, it really does all start with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they it's, literally and metaphorically get the wheels rolling. <laughs> as, long, as long as there will be emergencies, dispatchers will always be the first people to handle it. And then it's, it's everybody else. I hope so, man. That's what I don't like about this automated, you know, we had all those problems when they switched over and it, it it really, it does. We're seeing it now with, with people calling for ambulances for nonsense. And if you don't have a human filtering that crap out, you're going to waste resources and and people are going to die because the resources went where they weren't needed. Yeah. I've I've seen it happen. Uh, When I was up in school, up in Buffalo, I saw it happen. Uh, Guys would get sent to different addresses a bunch. And then next thing you know, they'd be like, oh, no, the address is here. And there's fire in like two wood frame buildings on arrival. Right. You know? um, yeah. Just is what it is, you know? Yeah, I, I think a lot of times the, the dispatcher knows where the caller is, even if the caller doesn't. Uh, sometimes they don't give you the best address, especially if it's yeah. a, a, a walker by or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, you know? All right, man. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's amazing what we get a chance to witness on the back end. You know, like I could think of several jobs over the years. Um, there was one uh, 280 Wartman 
where they rescued those four, four the three kids and the mother uh, in East New York. Then there was the, uh, even the Manhattan building explosion from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, that was utter just craziness. You know, it's just a matter of where you are in relation to what's going on. You know, you always hope you're going to be super, super close by, but nine times out of 10, that's not in the cards. You know? No, no. It's I mean, it's very it, rare. We, yeah, go ahead. As you say, they teach us that early on in the academy. Yeah. You, you can't chase fire, right? You no, gotta just... no. You, you can't chase anything when it comes to emergencies. You just yeah. kind of have to let it happen, you know, and yeah. it's going to happen. You know, and you just work through it and work it to the best of your ability. Yep. You try, like I always try and come up with a picture to show someone or show an editor or a body of pictures, you know, uh, like this morning I had a job where this uh, escaped prisoner got away from the, the cops. They were walking in the Brookdale hospital and he dropped his shoes, dropped his shirt and took off on him and he's handcuffed and <laughs> They can't get, they couldn't find the guy. Like, and it was the most mundane thing, but I had to make a picture out of something. You know? Right. So, so what, you get the shoes or something? I got the, the guy's shirt. It's a gold uh, and, and uh, black shirt that he was wearing. And, all right. You know, you, know, you just make, make something out of nothing. And sometimes you get everything at once. Yeah. You know? um, Sunday was an everything at once. It's bottom of the ninth. You're it, you know? Um, right. Come save the game. Just do what you got to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, breathe in, breathe out, and stay as calm as possible. You know, the calmer you are, you won't have shaky hands, and the better off you'll be over the course of time. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of the bottom of the ninth, that's that's Mariano Rivera right there, right? The guy's mm-hmm. facial expression never changed. His hands yep. never shook. He just. Through the same pitch for 15 years. And, and he, <laughs> he produced it. results. At, all, yep. at the end of the day, you just want results, you know? Yep. And so the, the funny thing about the job from Sunday is I would make a couple of frames. I would make like 10 to 12 frames at a time. And I would send, drop them to my phone, put them in Dropbox, and off right. they went to whoever they had to go to. Right. You know, it, it's... Uh, that's the part of our job that like people don't realize is the speed of which everything breaks down. Right. I mean, I mean, that's, people should realize that, but I guess yeah. they don't, but I mean, look yeah. at the speed at which news travels now. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. instantaneous. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible how fast news gets around now, even for us, right. you know, like 15, 20 minutes, 45 minutes is a big deal. You right. know, that's 45 minutes technically late an yeah, hour. Yeah. Obsolete almost, you know? Um, right. So for us to do what we had to do to create visuals on Sunday was pretty impressive. I got to give credit to everybody that worked that job. Everybody did amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say before I let you go that you guys mm-hmm. definitely uh, did your job because I'm just a retired guy who was sitting in my chair and, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was there just by yeah. looking at your pictures. Um, you just brought me there. So you did a phenomenal job, uh, as you always do. Um, you know, I know the media and the press takes a lot of crap nowadays, but, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you got to pay attention to what's yeah. important, you yeah. know, as yeah. all those people found out on Sunday, when it comes down to it, 
that's what's important, right? Yes, that's that's the utmost importance. You know, there's there should there's probably going to be things that change because of the footage that we got, the photographs that we got. Oh, absolutely, you there know, might be procedures. Firefighter procedures have changed from yeah. from pictures and 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 videos, like I said yeah. before. So, absolutely, absolutely. every everybody from the fire department to FDNY EMS to NYPD all the way down to us did exactly what we know how to do best. And that's just for us, it's show people helping people for yep. you guys. It's trying your damnedest to save those people. You right. Know? Um, right. Cause and, ultimately that's, that's it, man. All that other bullshit is the shit that gets in the way before you get yep. there. Uh, yep. But like you said before, the tunnel vision, that's what it's all about. It's just yep. doing it. your job, focusing on what's happening in front of you and None of that shit matters, you know? Nope, not at all. All right. Good talking to you. Great seeing you. You too. And uh, before I let you go, you mentioned Buffalo. So I got to ask you one question then. Yes, sir. Bills, Giants, Jets? Uh, If I got to rank them, I got to go Jets first, Bills second. All right. And then Giants third. All right. Yeah. What about you? What's your? Uh, uh, I don't even want to say it. But uh, I'm Giants. Okay. Uh, but I went up. To, I went to school up by Buffalo too. So I spent four years watching Bills games. Uh, okay. So you can't beat. You can't nah. beat that. No. Listen, I was just happy to get two games back then. We didn't have uh, football packages and all that. So I got mm-hmm. two games every Sunday. So nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Right. Great seeing you. Yeah, you too, man. I appreciate right. it, and great job as mm-hmm. always. And uh, go Bills. We'll be rooting for go you. Go Bills. All right. All right. Man. See you later, my friend. You too. Joining me now, I have the Nav. Uh, you may remember from episode one. Um, he's here to discuss with me the fatal fire that we saw this week in the Bronx uh, on Sunday morning, um, where reports are now saying 17 people have died, um, including eight children, uh, all suffering from smoke inhalation. Um, so we could get into the importance of closing the door behind you when there's a fire. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some investigations into why the doors didn't close on their own. Um, anyway, let me bring in Nav. Uh, Rich, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very sorry about your Ravens. Um, so am I. So am I. It was, a, uh, it was a snake bit year, though, you know. Hey, what a strange ending to the entire day yesterday, huh? Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, so, I mean, obviously neither of us were there, um, but we've both been to fatal fires, um, even on a bit of a smaller magnitude. But uh, you actually were at the Deutsche Bank fire, which we discussed the last time, which uh, many firefighters were overcome by smoke at that job, right? Yeah, Uh, for sure. um, So, I mean... We know a little bit about what what these guys are going through. Um, you know, obviously everyone experiences things differently, but but how did it go for you? I mean, f- first you had to deal with the physical um, side of you were in the smoke yourself, right? I mean, you you, you yeah. Well, you're talking about uh, Deutsche, Bank. Deutsche Bank, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, what I mean, was Deutsche- that for you? Yeah, I mean, Deutsche Bank was, um, you know, obviously a very, uh, you know, unique fire for, you know, numerous reasons. But, uh, but um, you know, for me, when things really went bad in Deutsche Bank, which was uh, for 
you know, those that aren't really aware, it's like, it was like kind of like a, uh, almost like a, a light switch. It went from clear as a day to, to blacked out, you know, and then, and then remained blacked out for the rest of the fire. But, uh, <clears throat> but, um, well, you know, I wound up in the, in a part of the building that uh, we were able to open, uh, kind of like open the wall to the outside because it was the part that was heavily damaged during the World Trade Center attack, and you know, and had been like kind of um, sealed up, but it wasn't really like a um, like the full like outside shell of a building. It was uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was actually just plastic that we were cutting through it in certain areas, right. but um, but uh, so so anyway, so you know, we were there, um, kind of coming on and off our masks because we were in for so long, but, and we were, you know, like, a, you know, because we had that wall opened up, the, you know, the smoke would, would somewhat clear over there. We would take our masks off. It would swoop back in. We'd put our masks back on. So that was how, you know, we were able to kind of, you know, we were in there for, I, I don't know how long it was, but I, I, I feel, I always say in my head, it was like an hour and a half. I don't know if that's ex an exaggeration in my head or if we really were in there that long. Um, but, you know, we were definitely in there for a significant amount of time. And, and, uh, and as uh, you know, as you know, there was uh, quite a number of firefighters that were in there for that amount of time. And it wasn't, it wasn't entirely by choice. It was because there was no, um, no uh, egress. There was no way out except for the, um, the, you know, the elevator that was on the outside of the building, the construction elevator. And then ultimately we found our way to um, out crossing like a little, you know, um, space, you know, with the 15 foot trap below us and stuff uh, right. to, the, to the scaffolding and, and ultimately walking around the scaffolding, we found stairs on the scaffolding that were able to um, bring us down below the fire. So we were out of the, um, you know, finally out of the smoke in in that way, you know? Yeah. I, I from what I've heard, most of the victims were found in the stairwells uh, at this fire in the Bronx. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. To be honest, I, I had that's what I had assumed. You know, I didn't I haven't heard that that much about it. But I was talking with some of the guys from our old company, Squad 18, who wasn't weren't there, but were, you know, um, you know, very aware of what was going on. And uh, and I, you know, I was speaking with one guy and I and I said that very thing. I was like, well, I, I mean, I assume that, you know, with the door, you know, the door had had been left open and I'm sure the windows failed pretty quickly, whatever, and uh, and created that 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 flow path, that that you know wind tunnel of of fire, and and I'm sure that the, the stairwell was also left open or whatever, and so that's what was my assumption. You know, when I heard of so many victims in a fireproof building, that it was that that the stairwell had been filled with smoke and there were other people trying to make their way out. Right. But then I was <clears throat> then what something and again I'm no expert on this fire. I really don't know that much about it. But um but what one thing I was I was led to understand was that there was also air shafts that um you know opening into all the apartments. So, so you know an air shaft for people that don't know it's you know it's like a it's a shaft you know in the middle of the building and that has windows on it. So it's for like you know they call it like a light or and an air shaft, you know so and it's just you know an old feature of buildings. And um and so, uh, you know, so I, I, what I'm guessing happened, what, you know, again, what I, what I was told happened, I don't know, this is hundred percent accurate, but, um, but the, the window in the air shaft in the fire apartment had failed as well as, you know, you know, with this, you know, with this just blowtorch effect of the, of the, right. you know, the window and the door being left open. And so I, I'm just assuming that, um, that, that created this like, you know, ball of fire that was also getting just chugging through, you know, again, all, all based on the, the window and the door being open and creating this, um, you know, like a bellows effect, you know, like, uh, um, sure. you know, on the fire itself, um, uh, because, you know, again, I was told and I, everything, everything is secondhand that I'm saying here, but, um, but that the, uh, the, the actual 
fire itself impinged upon the upper floors. So it like went up the air shaft, failed the windows in those apartments and, and then, you know, got into other apartments. Now, again, take it all with a grain of salt because, you know, I, I, you know, I do want to keep reiterating that I, I don't know. I'm not saying this with authority. I'm saying this is just what I heard, you know? Okay. So, uh, I, 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 and I see, I also saw the building had scissor stairs, which leads to its own set of problems, right? They're just, mm -hmm. They're confusing when there's no smoke. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, um, as, as we know, they're, they're, you know, every like fourth or fifth time they're, they're mislabeled, you know. Right. You know, you know, and you know, those doors get left open or they get, they're hard to find. You know, I've seen them sometimes the other door will be around the corner or something, you know, it's just, yeah, you never know, you know. I don't know, man. So, so from, from what I heard, there were about 30 to 40 victims removed from the building itself. Um, and there's many still in, in the hospital in critical condition. So we don't know what the totals are going to end up at, but, uh, either way it's as of now, the third deadliest fire we've had, uh, I believe in, in the last century or so. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, since happy land i think it's the yeah most victims we've seen i mean obviously we've had other events 9-11 the plane crash in in queens uh, yeah sure had more victims but as far as a building fire it's just sad especially when you know when you know what we know and how something so simple uh could have prevented it all from happening you know yeah um yeah, I mean, something else I read in the paper about that, which is also it's, it's kind of a it's kind of sad, ironic and horrible all at the same time, is that the uh, apparently in this building, you know, the, the residents were saying that the, the um, fire alarms would go off, you know, several times a week. So they were completely ignored, you know, so people, right. people said that they would just turn up the volume on their TV or whatever. So, you know, that that's something I've, I've often found in, in projects or or fireproof multiple dwellings is people tend to ignore all those noises at a certain point they just become background right yeah yeah you know because people pull the fire alarms or they hit the, the bell in the elevator constantly you're constantly hearing the elevator bells um, yeah yeah so i mean i don't know what much more you know we could do besides hang posters up and try to educate people on closing the door i know yeah. the fdny puts out commercials every year yeah but really um, I think that's one of those things that until you've seen how it, the effects it has, because you would think most people like think, oh, there's a fire. Let's open all the windows. Like that's right. the worst thing you could do. Uh, yeah. You know, you just yeah, you might just as well pour gasoline on it, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah, people, I mean, people don't realize, you know, it's, you know, we, we, of course, you know, we get our, you know, our, 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 you know, basic entry into fire science in the academy. And then we just, and then we just learn from experience too and stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the, that commercial that you're mentioning, I mean, I remember we used to see it all the time, close the door, you know, yeah. be like, uh, and they would drill it into you, but then you stop seeing that commercial, you know, and, uh, but that's, that, I always would say, I, I talked to my, my wife and kids about it. I was like, that commercial was like the best. It was like one of the, the rare um, public service commercials that actually was effective, you know, right. and, uh, you know, cause people, they, you know, how, why would anybody know that, you know, like, why would they know that, you know, they just think, leave the door open to maybe for whatever reason to. A lot of times they think they're being reason. helpful. Like, Oh, yeah. the, yeah. now the fireman will know where to go or, yeah. you, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember seeing that commercial very recently. I wonder if, if it got replaced with the COVID PSAs and, yeah. Yeah. and everything else, you know, but yeah.
Like we used to like joke in the uh, firehouse and on these EMS runs where we'd be walking up five flights for somebody that's got a, uh, you know, like a, a, a hurt arm or something like that, or just, you know, something minor. And then we would say like, they need the commercial says go to the lobby. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've been to other um, fatal fires, I presume. Um, Besides the Deutsche Bank, uh, what was it like for you, uh, you know, pulling those bodies out and and having to work on them, you know, even though, yeah. you know, I, I mean, you know, the very first fire I went to, you know, I I had this assumption after this that like every time you go to a fire, you're finding bodies and stuff like that. Because the very first fire I went to, um, it wasn't me, but the uh, one of the guys I was with that found a, a ten forty five or a fire victim, and then I ran over when he was calling. I ran over and I helped drag him out and stuff. And so, you know, it, it's not like, and as you know, it's not. Like it's, you know, like that common that you go to a fire, usually you go to a fire and people find their way out, you know, before you get there. But, but, but it's not uncommon either. You know, I know you've been to quite a few fatal fires. I know I've been to quite a few fatal fires. Um, And like, I I was uh, just, you know, thinking recently about one. um, It was, it was, I want to say it was Christmas. It was either Christmas Eve or Christmas. I was working in uh, in the fight in squad 18 and, um, and right around the corner on Gay Street, there was a, a fire and uh, wound up having a, a, a fatality in it. And um, and I remember, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was on the the backup position, so I was I was second behind the nozzle. You know, I'm just kind of explaining for people that don't know what that means. Um, but uh, and uh, you know, and the guy, uh, you know, John, who was on the nozzle, um, he he was like, you know, falling over stuff. So, you know, the, the, the whole. Uh, it was like a, a long hallway down to this whole open area that was fully involved in fire. And, um, you know, and so John's doing a great job with the nozzle and stuff like that, but he's falling over. There was stuff all over the place. So I kind of like hugged, hugged onto the thing and I tried to reach around to kind of give him a hand, getting the stuff out of his way. And I, like, I, I started feeling this thing and, and which, you know, thing, I'm sorry, but it was, a, you know, it was a, a, unfortunately a fire victim. And, um, and I, you know, it's, it's funny because you don't really, you know, it, even when you're you're coming upon it and you know that you're in a in a fire that you know people could easily be there it's still it's a shocking thing you know so i remember f- the first thought that came to my mind so, you know silly thought was uh wow what's that what's this um dummy doing in here you know dummy being like a, a, fa- a fake you know um you know person that that we would use for training you know right. for a split second that's the thought i'm thinking like as i feel the shape i'm like oh there's a dummy in here and then it's like something i'm like wait a second that's no dummy that's a, this is a, this is a person you know so like i um you know as uh as uh justin who was behind me set claims you know that i, I scream like he just hears me scream holy shit 1045 you know which very good chance that is exactly what i scream <laughs> yeah. but anyway so you know so he slid up on the line i get off and um and i you know and at this point like i don't know if it's a living person a dead person you know um Captain, you know, our captain at the time, uh, you know, he come, comes over to where I am, you know, between us and a guy from five truck um, who thankfully knew that there were, had come in a back door. You know, we didn't we thought we were going to have to go back, backtrack this whole distance with this guy who was a really large guy. <clears throat> anyway, we get him out. And um, and when we got out to the uh, there was like a kind of like a back courtyard and um, and we got him out there. You know, I took off my mask and you'll, you'll remember this story when I in a, when I now because I'm about to tell like the kind of the worst part of it. You know, I took off my mask because now we're out of the fire and I look down and I see this guy just wearing underpants and um, his whole entire body was just like a peeled blister. You know, he had been yeah. and he was clearly dead. And um, and uh, so we're like, all right, well, let's move him further out of the way. So I go now to scoop him back up and he's slippery. 
everything's wet. I'm slippery and I fall and I land face first on his, you know, his, you know, peeling belly. Uh, you know, and, um, and then, and I was just like, ah, oh, and I, and I go and I spit and I, like, I wind up spitting right in this poor guy's eye. You know, I mean, <laughs> the dead man, you know, I felt, you know, I'm like apologizing to him, you know, wiping it off. But, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek, you know, a little bit of, you know, I guess like, you know, you know, kind of, uncomfortable humor there or whatever, but it's, uh, but the truth is it was like, it was, it was heavy, you know, it's like, uh, sure. you know, I, you know, cause uh, now we move out and it's like, you know, guys are, you know, all just going about their, their part of the fire and it's exciting for guys and everything like that. And I was, I kind of got stuck in this feeling of man, fuck, you know, that this guy, and I don't know if I'm supposed to use language, but you know, this, this guy, you know, it's like uh, here I thought in my head, I'm like, I, you know, I've done something great. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've helped to save this man's life. And then, you know, you see that it's, no, it's not to be, I mean, you know, and, it, and it's a heavy feeling, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's a hard thing. And then, and then other times just, just um, not being involved in finding a person, but just seeing them in the hallway or, or be, or being, you know, carried on to, you know, a, a, you know, a backboard just to be brought to somewhere where they can be covered up and stuff like that. And it's yeah. like, a, you know, you see him and it kind of gives you pause, you know, and it's just sort of like that feeling of, um, you know, it's not like all just excitement and, you know, like, Ooh, we get to fight a fire and stuff like that. There's something very real about it. You know, when, when you see, you know, these people that have lost not only their lives, but, you know, but just also their, their, their homes and their, you know, their, um, you know, their possessions and everything like that. I mean, it always struck me, you know, there's, you know, a lot of times when guys don't have a lot of experience, um, you know, you see them just not, not in any kind of like a, a, um, you know, ill intent way, but they, you know, cause a, a lot of destruction, you know, fire, they say like, yeah. what's more destructive than a fire or or the second most destructive to a fire is a firefighter putting out a fire. And there's a lot of truth <laughs> to that, right. Yeah. I mean, by, by necessity, you know, but, but, you know, but I got, that was something that as I got further in my career, I always was tried to be very aware of um, that. I was in somebody's home and I was trying to, you know, to, you know, whatever destruction I had to do for the act, for the process of firefighting, I tried to make sure that was the, the absolute limit of the damage that I was doing. And I know you're the same kind of person. And there's a lot of, a lot of guys, some guys, unfortunately, they don't think like that because they're just, you know, into the, um, the act of firefighting right. and they, and they kind of, they're removed from the fact that they're in somebody's home or whatever, but, um, yeah. But, you know, it's heavy. I mean, it's hard. Like, you know, you, you have these realizations about how um, how much loss is happening, you know, for not for yourself, but for the people whose, you know, homes you're you're trying right. to. Especially right. a building like that, because, you know, I mean, we we've been in those buildings, not those particular ones, but but those types of buildings a million times. And they're right. basically like little <clears throat> communities. Every building is its own little world. Everyone knows each other, you yeah. know. <laughs> for better or worse sometimes right but <laughs> but when something like that happens it, it it really does shake the entire community you know and yeah. and it traumatizes them because they know from you know hearing that they were basically climbing over each other in the stairwells you know when the firemen yeah. got there they were just Man. piled up and lined up so these people the, the ones who survived still experienced that, all that trauma of seeing all their neighbors dead yeah. on the floor um, Without a doubt, you know, and you think about how the, you know, the, the things that a lot of these people are going to carry now in, in their, in their head for their, you know, the rest of their lives, you know, it's, it's, oh, yeah. a, it's, it's, it's a hard thing, you know, it, it, it doesn't go away, uh, as you know, um, yeah. I, I still have, I, there are some victims, you know, my first fire victim, um, there wasn't much left. Uh, I, I remember uh, we were trying to, I don't even know if it was a man or a woman. Uh, we were trying to pull him out from under a bed and it was just that soupy 
you know, soup yeah. and bones kind of, I mean, it, but, you know, it was a fully involved room and it, it just, you know, not that they're ever pretty, but it was, it, it wasn't very recognizable, you know, but yeah. I remember I had one car accident and I was working at rescue five in Staten Island, um, which it's always frightening to work where you live. Like I never wanted to work where I lived because I didn't want to see, you know, not that you ever want to see bad shit happen to anyone, but that when you know everyone, you know, it's like, it's, it's a weird dynamic. And we went out, it was like the middle of the night car accident. Some guy drove up the on-ramp or off the, on the wrong way on an on-ramp and hit a car head on. And the guy ended up being like a lawyer and he was, you know, like, of course on Staten Island, his brother was a cop, you know, it, but he looked exactly like uh, a guy I worked with. Uh, you may know Danny Highland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I worked with him in 108. And this guy had the same exact face. And I'm just staring at it. You know, I, my job was uh, I was I used the ram to push up the dash. So now I'm standing there basically watching this guy die. And he's just staring yeah. in my face. That's and I could so see the left guy. And I, I can't get his face out of my mind now because... He looks exactly like <laughs> a friend of mine, you know, and I just, I still see that guy's face sometimes. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. You know? Yeah. That's uh, you know, seeing the life leak out of a person like yeah. that. I, I, I have a very distinct memory myself of something, uh, you know, not all that different. It was a person under a train, you know, and it was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in my early days in squad 18 when, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we would go to, uh, people under trains far more frequently than, than the general person would, would think, you know, but, um, and it's always, yeah. always, I think everybody's least favorite run, you know, I mean, it's amazing how often people survive it, but it's, you know, also clearly people don't survive it. You Especially know, around uh, the holidays, right? It seems like every day. Oh yeah. Oh man. It's, it, I, the, I used to say every time we went to those runs, I said, man, if this is the last time I go to a man under that's, uh, that's plenty for me, you know? And, um, but this was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was in one of my early days in squad 18. And, um, back when we used to, you know, ridiculously, we'd be under the train because the hardest part is getting the, getting the person out from under the train without sure. having them fall all over the place. Cause you gotta, right. <clears throat> you know, slide them out and then stand, stand them. So we would put them on a backboard. And in the older day, older days, like we would, um, use like diamond lashing, use like this, uh, you know, flat, um, rope, it's called webbing. And we would, um, you know, lash them in, in the, in diamonds, you know, so that they'd be really like locked down onto a board and, and, and truly like, yeah, they, they would stay in place or whatever, but it was just so much time was wasted doing that. <clears throat> but, um, but anyways, this was back in the, where that was our protocol back then. And, uh, and I remember this guy and he's like moaning and he's, you know, trying to talk and he like had a, he had a bad head injury or whatever, but he, I was like, all right, this guy's, this guy's, you know, where he's going to live, you know, we're, we get, we get him and we were pretty good at it. So we got him lashed on pretty quickly, but I remember I'm watching him. I'm trying to, I'm getting like a brace on his neck, you know, and stuff. And, and I watch his eyes just roll back into his head, you know, like just like the whites go back, you know, or, or whatever. I, I don't, you know, whatever it was, but I just remember like looking at his eyes and just, you know, everything changed. And I, and it's like, you knew in that moment, that was like his moment. And, um, yeah, you can and, see and we it. got him up. Yeah. And we got him up and then, the, and the paramedics, took, you know, they, they started, you know, working on, you know, checking for this ball and everything in there. And they declared him right away. They were like, no, he's, he's DOA. He's dead. And I'm like, yeah, but like about a minute ago, he wasn't, you know, but yeah. uh, you know, you know. I don't know you if know, you were working. It was, uh, and you know, this, this is, uh, kind of a hot button topic right now is, is 
wasting EMS service for, you know, people calling up for COVID tests and, and stuff that's yeah. really not emergencies and they're, and they're basically using up our ambulances. Uh, I don't know if you were working, but this was many years ago, right around when St. Vincent's was closing. Um, Rich and I worked in the West Village and we were right down the street from St. Vincent's Hospital, which had their own ambulance corps. And yeah. they were all paramedics. My daughter, My daughter of them worked there. in our firehouse. Uh, and they were great, right? I mean, it was nothing better than yeah, pulling they, up and they, seeing they, they, were, they were the best paramedics. Absolutely. In the so world, maybe. We know. were spoiled when it came to EMS because we, most of the time, no offense to the FDNY EMS, but uh, those guys were great, guys and girls. They were, they were, they were fantastic. So, so when they were closing, I think I think the city was still trying to figure out how to cover our area, right? Because, I mean, we we the city didn't really have many ambulances right. in our area right. because St. Vincent's covered it. Right. They were part of the 911 system. So we got a call. It was um, not too far from us, you know, right around the, I, I'm not going to remember the street now, but right around the corner, one of those little triangles. And we're talking to this woman, nicer lady, you know, upper middle age, you know, not too old. And she doesn't feel well. You could tell like something's wrong and she, she needs to go to the hospital. And, and Uncle Pete was the lieutenant and he calls, you know, he's like, you know, can we get a rush on the ambulance here? You know, she's, you know, we could see her progressing. She's getting worse. Uh, yeah. And it, it took forever. I, I think we ended up getting an ambulance from Brooklyn and it was like 30 minutes. And in those 30 minutes, she went from having a normal conversation to the life just draining out of her. And by the time they got there, she was gone. And it was, yeah. and it's horrible feeling, like, but pe people don't understand, like we can't transport a victim in a, in a squad right. company. Yeah. We don't even have room for us. Right. You know, um, uh, yeah. And we don't, and we, you know, we have the basic equipment too. Right. Know, so exactly. Like we don't, to come, yeah. Right. We, so, we can't intubate and we can't do, you know, even though we probably had two medics working on our rig, we yeah. just don't have the equipment. And it was just, yeah. that was another one, man, too. Yeah. It just felt yeah. like it's it, tough, man. Like, yeah. And it was like, it was almost nothing we could do. Like, besides, you know, we did CPR, but besides that, like just to watch it all because of delays in the ambulance. So yeah, back to my original point, don't tie up EMS with nonsense. Um, yeah. You know, go to urgent care if, if you can, yeah. um, because you know, sometimes you cost someone's their life. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think anybody's going to, you know, hear and listen to that statement because the people that that call for everything are going to always call for everything. You know, you think yeah. about how many, you know, you think about how many like regulars we would have that would just, you know, be like, oh, you know, you get the address, be like, and you always had to take it seriously. But like, uh, like, oh, we're going to, you know, the house with that guy that's always saying he's got chest pains like once every three days or whatever, just because he wants to get, um, you know, and maybe and he's, he is, he's got know, a bear a bag packed. Ready to yeah, go. Yeah. It's an emergency, but he packed a bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of those, you know, people that are just, um, you know, frequent flyers, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, I remember like speaking of, you know, paramedics from St. Vincent's, you know, of course we had Tony, we had Justin, we had, um, uh, Jason, you know, we, you know, all these guys that were fantastic. It was great to be on the rig with these guys because, you know, you always knew going to an EMS run that you had guys that, you know, you would, you would want to be working on you if God forbid you needed it, you know, and yeah. so, you know, and, you know, I remember we had um, a guy down the street, we had the New York sports club and there was a young guy and his fiance, they had been together for like 10 years and, and he had kind of um, passed out on the, on the treadmill or something. And, and when we got there, you know, he was still muttering and mom, you know, like murmuring, not, not coherently at all, but like, uh, and his, and his wife, his 
fiance is saying like, you know, she's, she's keeping it together. She's cool. And like, um, and Tony's like, you know, I could, you know, again, you like, you look at these guys like Tony or Justin or whatever. And, um, and when, when you can see how serious their faces are getting, you, you know, that something's, you know, clearly not right, you know? Right. And, um, and that's what it was. And it was, we started, you know, doing everything. And then all of a sudden this guy just, stop breathing his heart stopped every you know we're working on we're doing cpr paramedics come they um they you know they they did all the you know the the push the drugs everything else that they they could do and um and we never found out that's the thing you know something that i think i forget if we talked about the last time about how um you know we would you know we pass off you know patient care to, to the higher level which would in this case would be the paramedics and um and then that's it. We never find out, you know, we, yeah. so we're always stuck wondering, did this person live? Did this person die? And then, so, and, but fast forward like years later and we had, um, you know, Pat is, you know, one of the, at this point he's been there for probably five years, but one of the, he was one of the newer guys um, in the company. And, and he says, you know, you were working that one day um, at, at the New York sports club. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Cause I always wondered about that guy. And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, well, how do you know that? And he goes, he goes, I was the paramedic on, on the, uh, on the bus. I was like, get out of here. I was like, I said, I've always wanted to know, do, do you know, like, did, did the guy survive? What happened? He said, no, they, they, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, declared, you know, as soon as he got to the, um, the hospital, the doctors, you know, ran whatever they, you know, determination. And they said he was, you know, right. You know, gone. That's why sometimes I, I'd rather not know you just yeah. do your job and hope for the best. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I hope, uh, I hope those guys who responded up there are at least thinking about talking about it. Um, I'm sure it's, it's, it's hitting them already. You know, that yeah. fires like that, you know, we, we all want the big one, but yeah, we, we're not ready for, for what it does to you, you know? Yeah. It, so, you know, it's, it sits on, it sits in people more than they realize some yeah. people, you know, it just bounces off, you know, whatever you throw at them, it just bounces off some right. people you know, and, and other people, they, they want to act like it's just bouncing off, but it's, it's really, it's sitting. I think that's more so the case usually, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but that, you know, like we talked about the last time that the counseling unit is a, is a incredible resource in the FDMY. And it's just, you know, I know it's used by a lot. It probably, it should be used a lot more than it is. Yeah. The one good thing is, and I know, I know that this happened up there because it happens with, you know, every major thing, but the, uh, the, the, um, you know, representatives from the counseling unit will go to every single firehouse repeatedly, you know, that was, mm-hmm. that was involved. And that was a, what a fifth yeah. alarm. So that's a lot of firehouses. I can guarantee you that every single firehouse that responded to that um, fire is getting these uh, guys from the counseling, you know, coming to, sure. uh, to you know, leave their information, say, please, you know, they, you know, they won't force it upon you. You know, they're, they, they're very respectful, but they're always there and they're always ready and they're always willing, you know. And, and I always felt like, I don't know, maybe I'm just lucky, but the chiefs uh, that I worked with always seem to step up in, in times like this, um, yeah. which, you know, it's the FDNY. I mean, you expect the best, right. But, but it's a difficult situation, uh, you know, um, kind of like what, I don't know if you listened when I spoke with Jeff cool, how he was saying he felt worse for the Lieutenant who had to give the report and watch all the guys jump out of the window. Then he oh, felt man. for him and his friends who jumped out of the window, you know, I think yeah. it's difficult for the chief sometimes to, uh, you know, there's a lot of people you got to rein in and, and take care of uh, on top of the public and, and, and giving the interviews and all that stuff, but you got to go to the firehouses, you know, that's when the, the difficult conversations happen, you know, when there's no yeah. cameras, 
Um, I tweeted about this the other day a little bit. I remember right after 9-11, you know, like October, whatever, we had to go to Fort Totten one night to do our state exam for uh, CFRD. You know, something we never thought, you know, we were supposed to go back to the academy for that three week thing, but they just canned that. They just made us go take tests. But anyway, so we're there. It's like seven, eight o'clock at night. And Nigro walked in uh, at that time. He was like acting chief of department. Right. They didn't officially. I don't think he officially got that title yet, but whatever. But he came in and just I just I can't can't remember exactly what he said, but it was just the essence of what he said. And it and it. It helped. I think it helped all of us. Like, we, I think we just needed to hear it, you know, because yeah. at a certain point, you like, you look around, like, who the hell expected that, <laughs> you know, yeah. on our first day and all the shit that we saw and then to have to come back and do this nonsense. And he just gave us this, this great speech that it really, I, I, you know, it helped me. Um, and, and, and it taught me, like, you know, that's, that's leadership. You know, he didn't have to yeah, drive to yeah. Fort Totten at eight o'clock at yeah. night to talk to us. That wasn't his job. And fortunately, I, I, you know, I've gotten to know him a little bit uh, over the, well, fortunately, unfortunately, that I had to go out and do all this crap, but, but I got to know him and I told him about it. I was, and he remembered, he was like, yeah, yeah. he's like, you were in that class. I, I remember that, that night, uh, you know, which tells me something 20 years later, he remembered yeah, yeah. coming out and talking yeah, to I mean, a bunch it, of probies, you know? I mean, you said it, it's like the, 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 you know, you know, when, when you come upon these like great leaders, you know, that's, that's like one of the things is that they, they, they do have not only the understanding, but the connection to the, to the men of no matter men and women of no matter what rank, you know, like right. from probe on up, you know, and, um, and, you know, someone like, like, you know, chief and commissioner, whatever, whatever his title would be, you know, right. uh, Nigro, you know, um, I, I always felt that, you know, like he was just this guy that you just, you just kind of got that sense that, um, he understood, you know, and, um, and he cared. cared. Right. Yeah. Which is, you I feel know, that way about chief Richardson too. I'm so, yeah. I'm so surprised to see that he, I, I guess surprise is the wrong word, but that he, you know, that he's already uh, retiring, you know, well, but, uh, I think usually new mayor usually brings in their own chief of department. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess. So. But, yeah, uh, and he got yeah, to leave uh, on his own terms, I guess. Yeah. Um, but another, but, another guy, like you talked to, he was a guy you would talk to and, and, you know, I, like, you know, at the end of my career, I was, you know, at headquarters, you know, I was driving um, chief Jardin, you know, and stuff. And, uh, and, um, you know, another great guy. And, and, uh, and, you know, I got, so I got to know a little bit, you know, some of these, you know, high brass chiefs and, and chief Richardson, like really just struck me as just such a, and I'd, I'd met him before, you know, in the past and, you know, he may or may not remember or whatever, but you know, when, when you're just like the lowly fireman and you're talking with the big chiefs, you know, that stands out a little more or whatever, but, uh, but he was just, you know, he, he had that quality, you know, where like you, you knew that he, um, that he gave a shit and right. not only gave a shit, but he understood, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, there, and, there's, and we're fortunate in the FDNY that there are a lot of those higher chiefs that that do, um, you know, have that quality, you know, and it and it, and it yeah. makes a difference. It makes a well, difference with the guys coming up, you know. Uh, yeah. I, you know, obviously, intelligence is important, right? That's why they have these tests to try to get the smartest. Uh, but I think emotional intelligence is, is just as important, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's where you get where you get these great chiefs when they're when they're smart, but also understanding. And you know that I think that's what makes a great leader. Um, personally, you know, I've I've worked with some pretty smart chiefs who I wouldn't follow anywhere. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, which are few and far between, I, I must say. Um, but anyway, uh, 
you live in Colorado now and you know, we'll segue into that. You had a big fire right by you recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, is it out? I, What's going on? Uh, actually, I, I, I will assume that it is. I'm not, yeah. I don't know hundred percent sure. They didn't, they didn't call you. <clears throat> they didn't call me yet. <laughs> I yeah. keep waiting. I, I've got, I've been sleeping with my phone on my ear, you know, <laughs> but, um, but actually, you know, speaking of Colorado and being in Colorado, just, uh, um, you know, that was one thing that just reading about that horrible fire in the Bronx and, and the, the horrible loss of life, you know, you, you know, talk about, you know, I mean, I'm retired. What am I going to do? I, I could be here. I could be there. But talk about, you know, something to make you really feel far away from the place that you had such an attachment to for so long, you know, you know, being for me, New York City. Um you know, that was that was a, that was a, a surprising feeling for me, how much I felt um, just that I was far away, you know, yeah. when I was reading about that, you know. But um, but anyway, that, that, that was just a, a point that struck me when you were just saying Colorado. But um, but yeah, that fire, um, you know, it was just like uh, kind of um, like winds that were beyond anything that that they would even remotely normally get you know there were like hundred, literally 100 mile an hour winds going on at the same time and then um and then this fire you know popped up you know there's a couple of different um theories i guess on how it started at first they were saying down lines but now it sounds like there was a it was kind of started um maybe accidentally on purpose you know like there was a, a structure that was lit up um you know for whatever reason they have i believe uh, they have struck camera. by lightning yeah well struck by you know human lightning you know yeah. and um but, it, you know, but so so it just it was like the, it wound up becoming like a perfect storm of of uh, circumstances, which is that, you know, you have the fire that got out of control. And then and then you had these hundred mile an hour winds kick up. And and, you know, they just uh, as my one friend who was who is living a friend from Maryland who, who moved up here was was living. It was about six miles from the the evacuation area like he was fine and he's he had the smell of smoke and everything. But right. um, but he was uh, you know, he didn't have any um, issues. But um. But he was saying, he's like, man, he's like, I'm looking at these pictures and it's like, and he's like, you see these, these neighborhoods were just completely erased. And I was like, that, and when he said that struck me, the word that he chose erased. And I was like, man, you know, that's exactly what it's like. You know, it's like they were just like these people's lives, not, not their physical lives, but their, right. their lives that they've collected, you know, their, 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 you know, their stuff, whatever, you know, just completely erased, you know, just down to, you know, the, the outline of where their house had once stood and a thousand, I think they said a thousand houses, man. It's like, you know, it's devastating when you think about that many people suddenly left homeless, you know, in the middle of winter, in the middle yeah. of winter, in the middle of COVID, you know? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's another level <laughs> I didn't even think of. Uh, were there any fatalities? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think there was like, uh, they, they talk about, there was one woman uh, and like a 91 year old woman with dementia that was missing. And then I think they might've found her. So I think she was, you know, she was a fatality, but I, I, I honestly, I haven't read that much about it ever after like the initial, when it was happening, you know, once it seemed, you know, kind of had the feeling like it was at least contained, you know, right. I, I kind of, you know, I, I try, I try to avoid the news, you know, the news is, uh, you know, more infuriating and, uh, and depressing than, than, uh, than any benefit I get, I think from learning, keeping myself informed or whatever. Yeah, you know? Word. <laughs> I, I, I like the old ignorance is bliss. You know, that, that's my, uh, that's my you know, outlook. Well, then you think that there'd be a lot of happy people out there then. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Unfortunately it's, it doesn't seem so. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Well, I'm glad your house is uh is safe. I'm glad you. Yeah, guys, yeah. We, we're uh, we're, we're an there. hour from. Yeah, where we are, we're an hour from where that fire was and stuff. You know, where, uh, where did where all these people go? Like, did they uh, open up? Uh, 
It's a good question. I mean, I know like they had a bunch of like YMCA and like, you know, yeah. and, you know, I didn't, you know, I'm sure they put a bunch of people up in hotels and stuff, you know, just, you know, anywhere they could put them probably, you know, cause you think about it, that's a lot of people, you know, if it's a thousand homes, what's that like probably 4,000 people or whatever. Right. Just, yeah. You know? Pets and, and, yeah, you know, and then there's kids with school, and uh, you know, it's they've, <laughs> they've been through enough, right? All these kids, yeah. this generation, uh, you lose your house, and yeah, you displace like that. It's got to suck. Um, which is another thing that we're seeing in the Bronx is that the whole building of people now, uh, yeah, you know, they're out uh, out of a, a place to live for a while. So a lot of apartments, you know, I think. I mean, I don't know how many were in there, but it had to have been, you know whatever it's p- plenty you know plenty of people with nowhere to go at the moment you know mm-hmm. yep and it's it's not warm here i'll tell you that as you can see yeah. i can barely turn my neck so that means it's cold yeah so. all right dude well thanks for uh jumping on and and giving some insight into this fire i know uh you know it's tough like you said, you feel far away, but even though I'm here, it's it's still tough to see these things and from the sideline, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's like watching your team play without you kind of, it's yeah. a shitty feeling, especially on a day like that. But, you know, it's funny because you're, you, when you're on the job, you know, but, you know, you, you hear about these, no matter how big or horrible and awful an event is, you, uh, you, you know, you feel like I should have been there if you weren't right. there. You know? For, for whatever reason, you know, it's just part of the psyche, I guess, of being in the fire department, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of the, uh, survivor's guilt, right. From jobs like nine 11, or even like Jeff cool was saying, he felt it and, and he was at the job and, yeah, you know, he felt guilty for, for surviving, you know, that's, that's yeah. a yeah. fucked up feeling, you know, yeah. he's, I mean, he's a tremendous individual, you know, so, you yeah. know Jeff, uh, you know, Joey was, you know, one of the all-time best, you know, and, and it's, I know. it's a tough it's one. A shame. It is, which is, which is why we hope uh, all these brothers and sisters are getting the help that they need right now. So, all right, dude. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, sorry again about your Ravens. Uh, yeah. Lamar will be back next year. Don't worry. I mean, I figure, I, I want, I'm trying to figure out how I can place a, a bet on the Ravens to win the next Super Bowl. You know, uh, I figure I get some good odds right now. <laughs> uh, the Giants haven't made the playoffs in three presidents, so I don't really feel bad for you. Um, <laughs> the yeah, the Giants. The Giants are uh, you know I think officially now the Jets. You know so. Which. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Sorry, Jets fans. I didn't mean that. I know. Well, the Jets at least at least they put up a fight at the end there. Yeah. But uh, all right. Well, shitty circumstances, but it's good to see your face again. Um, yeah. You, you, maybe uh, next time we'll we'll have you on to tell some of the funny stories. Uh, yeah. We'll leave this doom and gloom shit behind. But uh, all right, brother. We'll be well out all there. Right. Thanks, man. Uh, well, it's good talking to you as always, and uh, yeah, I'll right. talk to you more later. All right. We'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk offline, you know, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, whatever, we'll embarrass each other, you know, just, just in face to face. Well, I just let you embarrass yourself most of the time. <laughs> it's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace right, out. Well, man. Give my love to your family too. You too. Thank you all for tuning in. I know this isn't easy stuff to listen to. Uh, certainly not easy to talk about, but I think it's important. Thanks to Nav for coming on again. I always appreciate 
your thoughts and uh, I love your perspective on everything. Thanks to Lloyd. Your pictures, I, I think, are amazing. I think it's it's great the way that you capture not only the history of the moment, but the human emotion, you know, and that's what art's all about, right? It's, it's a snapshot of, of a moment. Um, and you do it well, man, and I hope you keep doing it. And we're lucky to have uh, people like you out there documenting um, what goes on in our city and, and doing it... Uh, <laughs> doing it so well man so keep going you know his points about these people deserving heat in their building you know um certainly shouldn't be lost you know that shouldn't be happening uh we're new york city uh we need to do better as a city um we need to do better as as a country um and as a species but let's start here you know Uh, nobody in our city should be cold or freezing in the winter you know, we, we, we have some, some programs and some agencies that, that run beautifully. I mean, as we saw on Sunday, um, we have men and women who are not only willing to go out there and do the job, but they do it well. And if we could figure out how to do that, then we should certainly be able to figure out how to make boilers function uh, in, our, in our public buildings. Frankie will be back next week. But we thought it was best if Frankie's Firehouse Feast went dark for this episode out of respect for the victims, uh, especially the children that we lost in those fires. I hope everyone out there, you know, takes the good from this horrible situation, which is that there are still people willing to risk it all um, for someone else. Uh, And that's a beautiful thing. And I think we need to recognize the good a little bit more because we seem to be focused um, on the bad and we seem to be focused on fighting with each other. Um, but but as Lloyd brought to light, you know, there are still people fighting for each other. Um, so let's, let's lift those people up, right? Let's focus on that. So be well, and I hope uh, next episode we have some happier news. But keep looking out for each other. Look out for yourselves. And as always, stay low, my friends. Subscribe now at staylow.us. Be sure to leave us five stars. Or join the squad at patreon.com slash the firefighters podcast. Powered by Righteous Media. Powered by Righteous Media.